0: The remains of Tylee could be home for Christmas as the judge has signed an order releasing those remains to her family. The district attorney wants to get a new trial date in the Brian Koberger matter. Three police officers have been acquitted accused of killing a man who said that he couldn't breathe, and then our dumb criminal of the day. Was he bringing good tidings and good cheer this holiday season? Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below and hit that little bell for notifications. And like I've said before, hit the notifications because when you get sent to YouTube jail, I think they delete all those. So hit that little bell to make sure you get notice of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can always listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. All right. Here we are. Friday, December 22nd, 2023, just a few days before Christmas. Hope all of your uh, Christmas wishes come true. Uh, Obviously, uh, Hanukkah is over. Hope everyone had a great and wonderful Hanukkah. And uh, then there's the Festivus. If uh, you don't celebrate anything, there's always Festivus. All right. Let's go ahead and get to the docket today and uh, open the record. First on the docket. That's right. Some news in the Chad Bell matter. Judge Boyce has ordered the remains of Tylee Ryan to be turned over to her family members. The order was signed on December 21st of this year. That means that uh, those remains can be immediately turned over. This comes as a result of a stipulation between the prosecution and the defense, agreeing that neither party no longer needs the remains for any scientific testing or anything of that nature, and therefore, the parties submitted a stipulation to the court and the court signed it. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the case, obviously, uh, Tylee Ryan was 16 years old when uh, her remains were found uh, dismembered and burned on the property of Chad DeBell's home back on June 9th of 2020, nearly nine months after investigators say that she was uh, killed. Now, her seven-year-old brother, Joshua J.J. Vallow, was also found uh, buried on the property, and his remains Uh, were released uh, previously. J.J.'s remains were released to his grandparents about two months ago. Colby Ryan, Tylee and J.J.'s older brother, will more than likely take custody of the remains. So at least that's done. Hopefully now she can receive the proper burial that she is entitled to. Next on the docket, Brian Koberger. That's right. The Idaho prosecutors want a summer trial for the accused murderer, Brian Koberger, to avoid some conflicting schedules with the high school and the college. And the prosecutors are also recommending that the trial will take about six weeks, including the penalty phase. So the prosecutors filed a motion for a scheduling order yesterday. And uh, let's hit the high points of it. First, they want a scheduling order for a jury trial that's going to run approximately six weeks, including the penalty phase. And the state proposes that the court's trial Uh, schedule for the summer of 2024, and that the trial dates avoid times when the Moscow High School and the local universities are in session. As the court is aware, the Moscow High School is directly adjacent to the courthouse uh, premises, and already the significantly increased amount of media and other vehicles related to this case has strained available parking as well as safety and convenience for pedestrians, including students. The prosecutors also request that, the, as the court is aware, the local universities are in session. It is not infrequent uh, for area lodging to become unavailable to to university-related activities, such as sporting events and graduation. The state also requests that they set the trial uh, between 8.30 and 3 p.m. And for the trial of this length, it's appropriate to afford jurors some amount of time to tend to their own personal matters. That's as opposed to you know going from the normal 8.30 to 5 p.m. docket. Additionally, having time in the afternoon would allow the uh, parties to prepare for the following uh, day. And as well as the court and counsel to address any motions or matters that may have come up during that day or that they anticipate. So, the prosecution wants a deadline for completion of discovery for both the state and defense, wants deadlines for both parties to make expert disclosures. Prosecution requests deadlines for filing of pretrial motions and responses. The prosecution also wants a deadline for a juror questionnaire or proposals for that juror questionnaire to be submitted. Prosecution is requesting deadlines for jury instructions, deadlines for proposed witness lists, and uh, dates for pretrial motions to be heard. And the state uh, notes that on August twenty second, 2023, scheduled order, the court set a date certain for sentencing disclosures, including witnesses, exhibits, expert reports, and other evidence. The state requests that the court allow the parties further opportunity to supplement their disclosures following receipt review of the opposing party's initial disclosures. So, Therefore, the prosecution finally asks that uh, in the August 22, 2023 scheduling order, the court afforded the defendant an additional opportunity to provide notice of alibi in accordance with the rules. The state submits that the defendant has already been afforded this opportunity and that the court heard argument on the motion relating to such Uh, Request, the state submits the opportunity for the defendant to disclose an alibi and notify the state has passed and asks the court not to reopen this issue. So basically, what they're saying is, is hey, Koberger had the opportunity to submit an alibi long ago when this case was previously set. They failed to do so. Judge, there's no reason to revisit that issue. Obviously, the court needs to set something soon because just. Like the defendant is entitled to a right to a speedy trial, so is the public and the public needs resolution on this case just as much as Mr. Koberger does. Obviously he's afforded the presumption of innocence and let's see if the prosecution can prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Next on the docket, acquittal of three officers. Now it just shows you that very similar facts with different juries can come and result in completely different results. So a jury has uh, exonerated three Washington State police officers of all criminal charges yesterday afternoon in the uh, 2020 death of a man by the name of Manuel Ellis. He's a black man, and he had been shocked, beaten, and restrained face down on a Tacoma, Washington sidewalk as he allegedly pled for his breath. Now, two of the officers, Matthew Collins and Christopher Burbank, had been charged with second-degree murder and manslaughter, and Officer Timothy Rankin was charged with manslaughter. Now, their attorneys argued that Ellis died from a lethal amount of methamphetamine that was in his system, as well as a pre-existing heart condition, not from the officer's action. Well, and the jury found all three of them not guilty on all counts. Needless to say, some people were not happy with that result, including the attorney for the family. Now, his name is Matthew Erickson, and he issued a statement and said that it was hard to convey how devastating the verdict was for the family and the community. The biggest reason why the family believes uh, the jury found reasonable doubt is because the defense was essentially allowed to put Manny Ellis on trial. The defense attorneys were allowed to dredge up Manny's past and repeat to the jury again and again Manny's prior arrests back in 2015 and 2019, and he believes that that unfairly prejudiced jurors against Manny. So the facts were that Mr. Ellis was walking home with donuts from a 7-Eleven in Tacoma about 30 miles uh, south of Seattle on March 3rd of 2020 when he passed a patrol car stopped at a red light with Collins and uh, Burbank inside. The officers claimed that they saw Ellis try to open the door of a passing car at the intersection and he became very aggressive and they stopped and tried to question him about the incident. Collins testified that Ellis demonstrated superhuman strength by lifting him off the ground and throwing him through the air. But three witnesses who testified said They saw no such thing, and they reported that they did not see Ellis try to strike or do anything that would provoke the officers in any way. After what appeared to be a brief conversation between Ellis and the officers, who were both white, Burbank in the passenger seat threw open his door, knocking Ellis down. The jury has spoken, and guess what? The Ellis family has already settled a federal wrongful death lawsuit against the county, and they paid $4 million. And finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. was he bringing good tidings and good cheer? I don't know. Listen to this facts. A man wearing a dress and carrying a dildo allegedly tried to burglarize the residence of a 69-year-old woman, according to an arrest affidavit. The man has been charged with stalking. So police say that Marshall Jones showed up outside of the victim's home in Florida last Friday at about 1 30 a.m. He was spotted on video trying to open the door. That's a little weird. At the time, according to the arrest affidavit, uh, Mr. Jones was wearing a dress and had what appeared to be an erect penis in his hand at waist level trying to enter the home. Jones is then seen pressing the erect penis against the the uh, door before walking away. Jones allegedly then returned to the property yesterday afternoon, but uh, flat on foot. When police later arrested Mr. Jones, he reportedly uh, admitted to attempting to burglarize the home on December 15th and returning on the home later this week. And uh, during the questioning, uh, police report that Jones said he was holding the dildo, which had slipped out when he was recorded by a surveillance camera last week. It's unclear where the sex toy slipped out from. Anyway, Mr. Jones claimed that he was outside the home yesterday to check on the female occupant since he claimed to have seen someone shot at the residence two weeks earlier. Now, of course, there's no record of that taking place whatsoever. Uh, now, Jones went by his uh, surname Blair when arrested, and he's been charged with a burglary, stalking, uh, resisting an officer without violence, Those are all misdemeanors, but the stocking's felony. And he's locked up on a bond of $10,000. Now, court records do show that Mr. Jones lives in St. Petersburg, has a lengthy rap sheet that included four separate convictions for possession of cocaine, as well as uh, trespassing, obstruction, and marijuana possession convictions. Mr. Jones was arrested earlier this year after a homeowner told police that uh, they thought Mr. Jones and another man were casing his residence Mr. Jones was subsequently arrested for possession of burglary trolls, as well as possession of cocaine and paraphernalia. He pled guilty to that felony charge, and he was sentenced to 90 days in jail. Well, at least we know he's out and back up to the same old antics, this time adding a twist with the dress and the other inanimate object that he brought with him. You can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen, but... Do you think he was bringing good tidings and good cheer to that 69-year-old homeowner? No, don't think so. Do you think that he was there to check on things from the shooting that he saw that no record of taking place? Don't think so. Hopefully, Mr. Jones will spend his Christmas in custody thinking about what he's going to do differently in 2024. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for you here before Christmas. We will be back next Wednesday, December 27th. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. We'll see you next time. And remember, the Constitution matters.